0: Recommended testosterone booster. It boosts free and total testosterone levels to help you get back to drive and energy from your youth. My wife, my boss, my kids, everyone has noticed a change in me. Do they still give out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves? Yes, just send them a text. Guys, text HATCH to
1: 321321 right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics is the number one selling testosterone brand at GNC and Walmart. Plus, text now and we'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, our most powerful fat incinerator ever, to help you get back in shape fast absolutely free tech
0: h a t c h 321321 that's Wichita's new sports leader ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM KKGQ Newton This is the Shane Dennis show on the new ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM
2: Welcome in
0: to another show.
2: Happy Taco Tuesday to those that celebrate. Happy Noontime. Thanks for stopping by. It's episode 436, Shane Dennis Show. Jack Johnson alongside the number to call is 316-669-4996. That's hotline. Text line, 316 247 0923, you can tell your smart speaker around the house to play KKGQ 92.3, tune in on your phone, 92.3 FM on your radio, ESPNWichita.com, on the stream if you're at work for your device, laptop, computer, follow us on Twitter, be our friends on Facebook. Today is March 7th, and unfortunately... It's an early spring day in Wichita. It's overcast with a chance of light rain and a high of merely 47 degrees today. All right, we have uh, some franchise talk, franchise tag talk, coming up here in the first segment. As the Chiefs made an announcement yesterday, we'll discuss. State tournament time is upon us. So we'll talk to Scott Pask from Keisha Covered, a little bit of uh, Heights boys talk, Derby boys and girls talk, pretty stacked 5A field, but no real odds-on favorite from around here anyway, it wouldn't seem. And all the way down to the cool story about Moundridge and Independent at 2A. So we'll talk about all that stuff with Scott Pask. High school basketball talk coming up in the second segment. The Twitter today is a tournament in honor of National Serial Day, which we'll tell you more about here in a second, when we tell you what day it is. Jordan Foote coming up at 1 o'clock. And I ask the host 125, and then I'm old Jack Young, to hand you off to the Pulse with Pat Strothman at 2 o'clock. There is your show. That's how you can be a part of it. Again, Jordan Foote, top of second hour, Scott Pask, here in about 20 minutes or so. Here is Jack Johnson with our moment of levity to start us off. Jack?
3: Shane, a drunk man walks into a bar and a table and a chair.
2: <clears throat> you know uh, you know who I bumped into on my way to my uh, eye appointment?
3: There's somebody I would know.
2: No, no, it's a joke. Everybody. Oh, Oh. (laughs) okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, March 7th, that's today. National Cereal Day, as I mentioned. Since the end of the 19th century, cereal has been America's most popular breakfast food. A German immigrant began the cereal revolution in 1854 with a hand oats grinder in the back room of a small store in Akron, Ohio. His German Mills American Oatmeal Company was the nation's first commercial oatmeal manufacturer. He adopted the Quaker symbol in 1877. That was the first registered trademark for breakfast cereal. And the rest is history. We'll talk more about breakfast and cereal Coming up at about uh, 12.45, because we've got a Twitter tournament regarding cereal up on the Twitter, at ESPN Wichita. So if you want to sneak over there and take a peek and vote and retweet, we'd appreciate you. It's National Be Heard Day. That encourages small businesses across the country to make their presence known. Over 145 million small businesses... Or in the United States at any given time. Competing, sort of, with National Cereal Day, it's National Flapjack Day. It's also National Crown Roast of Pork Day. If you're not familiar with that, uh, Google it. Check out the Google image of National Crown Roast of Pork Five more days to tell you about tomorrow on March 8th, when we get there. March 7th, 1876, Alexander Graham Bell got a patent for the telephone. Uh, 1983, fast-forwarding to there, Songwriters Hall of Fame honored 10 new inductees, including Fred Ebb, a lyricist, Known for the Broadway hits Cabaret and Chicago. Also inductees in 1983, Stevie Wonder Neil Sedaka. 2010 Academy Award for Best Director goes to Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. It was the first time a woman won Best Director. Birthdays, 1890, uh, 1849, sorry. Daniel David Palmer performed the first chiropractic adjustment and is considered the founder of chiropractic. Also, Willard Scott, 1934, NBC's Today Show Weatherman and Birthday Well-Wisher. And it says here, before he did that, Willard Scott was the original Ronald McDonald for the hamburger franchise. Huh. All right, there you go. There's uh, March 7. Okay, yesterday, uh, right about the end of this show, and the beginning of uh, Pat's show, The Pulse, which can be heard every day from 2 to 4, right here on the channel, it was announced that, or reported, or both, That the Chiefs would not be using the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown. Originally reported by Jeremy Fowler. And so that, um, I guess if you want to jump to conclusions a little bit, Jack jump in here, that certainly opens the door for him to become a free agent. And the Chiefs are willing to move on from him. They couldn't agree on a long-term contract last offseason. So he played under the tag this year at about $16.6 million. The two sides have what, Jack, a week to figure it out? Otherwise, he negotiates with other teams.
3: I think a little less than a week now. Monday, I think, is the deadline.
2: Is it? Okay. I thought maybe it was the, the 13th. But either way, time's running out. So isn't this just a... Uh, a formality that the Chiefs didn't think he was the long-term answer at left tackle, and now they're driving home that point?
3: I think you can look at it in a couple of ways here. I think first things first with with not tagging him, it doesn't you know completely rule out the chance that the Chiefs bring him back on a long-term deal, but I think they're also under the impression that Orlando Brown Jr. likely is going to be looking at the same type of deal that he was asking for last year, or his agent at least is going to be looking for that big-time money for Orlando Brown Jr., And it's a matter of does Brett Veach and company view him as a number 1 left tackle or number 2 left tackle in this league? I think the only thing that Orlando Brown Jr. has going for him in his favor here is that he's relatively young. And it's not like you can go find a left tackle just randomly. You can't just walk into finding a really good left tackle. Orlando Brown Jr. is a good left tackle. He's not Trent Williams level, and I think that's the type of money that he's going to be wanting. I'm kind of looking at it both ways here and saying... I'm all right if they give him a long-term deal, but I think the casualty of it is that if you lock him up long-term to big-time money, it probably means that you have to let either Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith walk when the rookie deal is up, if not both of them. Uh, I know those positions aren't as dire as a left tackle is. Left tackle is by far and away the most important position on the offensive line. And if you're concerned about you know putting a rookie there or you're not really through with the free agent class, then yeah it likely means you need to find a way to lock him up long-term. At the same time, the Chiefs have found value in guys that can play the left tackle position and play it above average and not far off the level that Orlando Brown Jr. did in his two years in Kansas City. We saw Joe Tooney slide over there and play a very good left tackle. It's not to say you can rely on Joe Tooney for a full 17-game schedule, but maybe your left tackle of the future is through the draft. You have 11 picks. You can move up. You can find a guy like Broderick Johnson. I believe Jordan Foote tweeted out earlier today that it was on some guy's mock draft. I'm blanking on the name. I'll have to go back and find Jordan's tweet. Mm-hmm. But it was That's a mock right. draft where it had Kansas City taking the hulking 6'8", 380-pound right tackle from Ohio State. I want to say it was DeWan Jones. So, yeah, there's a couple mm-hmm. of options you can go with here. I know right tackle makes you a little bit weary as well, so you don't want to go into the offseason having to replace your left tackle and your right tackle. But if Orlando Brown Jr. is asking for the most money of any tackle in the NFL or the second most money, I'm not sure you should bite on it. And I think the Chiefs are okay letting him walk because I think there is value to find at the left tackle position. And I don't think you have to look at Orlando Brown Jr. and think he's a must-have and necessity for this team to be good. After all, how many top tackles in the league need to have chipping to help them on the edge more often than not? I think you have to look at a guy like Trent Williams, and he's kind of in a league of his own. He's the only top tackle, I believe. That's by far and away better than everybody else. I think everybody else is chasing him, but there's going to be tackles in football that want that type of money, and I don't see Brett Veach in the front office budging on what they're going to be looking at with the asking price with Orlando Brown Jr.
2: Brown will turn 27 in May. He's acquired in a trade with the Ravens. Um, If you're into such things, he was a Pro Bowl selection in both of his seasons with the Chiefs. His pass block win rate was 18th among all offensive tackles. So that provides a little bit of uh, ammo for Jack or for those that are willing to let him walk. In a uh, in the same story, um, it was announced that Frank Clark's agent, Eric Burkhart, and the Chiefs were unable to find common ground on a reworked deal during several conversations at the Combine. And the expectation now is that the Chiefs will release Frank Clark, who is 29, by the way. So uh, somebody somebody asked me just the other day what I thought. We've talked about this on the show. What I thought the Chiefs would do, should do, at 31... And my answer was edge because I, I believe that edge rusher and cornerback are positions that if you get your guy, you can never have too many of those guys. That would be my unprofessional assessment when it comes to the draft. Um, Jack, do you think letting Orlando Brown Jr. walk and Frank Clark walk affects who the Chiefs like and covet at 31 now?
3: I think it does. I think if you do let Orlando Brown Jr. walk, I think you're likely looking at a tackle in the first round, and I don't think it's out of the question to see the Chiefs trading up to find a tackle in the first round. I mean, hell, maybe you can get lucky and package your first and maybe a second or a couple of seconds and move as high as like 18 or 19, and go out and get yourself a starting left tackle, then figure out what you want to do with the right tackle position in the offseason. But yeah, I think you want to be able to find your tackle the future through the draft because, to me, the left tackle market doesn't really excite me. I know uh, Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic, pointed out a guy like David Bakhtiari, but he's missed a lot of games in the last two years.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
3: I've yeah. heard the name Laramie Tunzel thrown around. Well, here's the point. Laramie Tunzel's 28. Uh, why would you trade for Laramie Tunzel when you weren't going to pay Orlando Brown Jr.? Because he's going to want big money I as say, well. Does,
2: doesn't, doesn't he get Orlando Brown Jr. money to start with? Yeah, I, I mean, there's <laughs> I mean, just... You he's gotta,
3: super... Go ahead.
2: No, he's, he's going to be commanding exactly what uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is commanding. So you just trading one problem for another financially.
3: Yeah, uh, and I think, him. Yeah. I think the only reason fans would be a little bit against the Orlando Brown Jr. walking away is because he's so young. And I think when the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown Jr. when he was 24 years old, I think everybody in Kansas City said, there he is, there's your left tackle for the next six to seven years in Kansas
2: City. I did.
3: I, I think did everybody too. did. I
2: said, <laughs> lock him up. Yep. But then, love the move. I was like, all right, make him a chief for life. Build this build a statue. I wanted all that.
3: And it made a lot of sense. Right. Because he was so young. He was a pro bowler in each of his first two or three years in the NFL. So it made a lot of sense at that point in time. Then when Orlando Brown Jr. came over to Kansas City, he's still a very good left tackle. I just don't know if he's worth that type of money for the left tackle position. Any left tackle is going to cost a lot of money. That's just the way it is. I want to say next to quarterbacks, the second highest paid player on the team usually if they're an all-pro type of level. But Orlando Brown Jr. is on an all-pro left tackle. And I think fans will be looking at Orlando Brown Jr. going, oh, well, he's he's going to be 27. You know, it's You have to lock him up because he's still really young and it makes sense that you want to pay him through his age 27, 28, 29, 30 year. But at the same time, the Chiefs went out and traded for Orlando Brown Jr. so that they could get a Super Bowl. What did they do? They got a Super Bowl in the two years out of Orlando Brown Jr. That doesn't mean that he needs to walk away you have to let him walk, but it also doesn't mean that you failed in trading for him. Like, if you traded for Orlando Brown Jr., got a Super Bowl out of it, and the trade worked out, even if you don't lock him up long-term, that doesn't mean the trade failed because – what you accomplished was you got a Super Bowl ring. That was the goal when finding your left tackle. Yeah. If you feel there's yeah. value in the draft, hell, then you have a left tackle who could be really good, and you don't have to pay him a lot for four years. Like, that's just what the Chiefs have kind of been about over the last year or so, is that when these guys— well, that's, want- a ben, Ben's, that's a Ben Zobrist effect, right? Yeah. You got what you wanted. Absolutely. You, you, know? you can't look at the trade and say it failed. In fact, any of the moves the Chiefs made in the last year, you can't consider to be a failure because they got exactly what they sought after to find, which was another mm-hmm. Super Bowl championship. And even if Orlando Brown Jr. was just a Chief for two years, hell, he was good for two years. He got you uh, enough pass protection to win a Super Bowl, to win another AFC West title, two AFC West titles at that, uh, one AFC crown. Of course, you lost in the AFC Championship game in year one on Orlando Brown Jr., but this is where I think the Chiefs can really excel at extending that window. I thought for years, Shane, that the three guys they would never let walk away no matter what they asked for. Brett Veach in the front office were going to give them that money. It was Patrick Mahomes. Check. They got that done. Travis Kelsey. Check. Got that done. And Tyreek Hill. Oh, wait. Tyreek Hill wanted big-time yeah. money, and they said, sorry, we're not going to pay you that type of money because we feel like our two guys that are enough to get us to Super Bowl championship are already here. That's Mahomes. That's Kelsey. So I think everybody else is fair game. Like It would not shock me if they didn't extend Chris Jones and they traded Chris Jones. It, of course, wouldn't shock me to let Orlando Brown Jr. walk because this front office feels like as long as you have your franchise quarterback and one major key weapon and maybe one star on the defensive side, you can build around that. And I know left tackle is so vitally important, and I'm not saying it won't be a a really hard couple of months to find that left tackle, and maybe you do find him in the draft and he struggles early on, it's all about a part of this process, because to me, when I look back at the Orlando Brown Jr. era in Kansas City, there were times that he dominated, for sure, he played as a really good left tackle, but I didn't look at him as he was the only reason that offensive line was good, like, I think you can go to San Francisco Trent Williams is the only reason that offensive line is good. He is a number 1 left tackle. He's head and shoulders above everybody else when he's healthy. You cannot let that type of guy walk away. Orlando Brown Jr., there were times this year that he was an average at best left tackle. And when an average at best left tackle is asking for that type of money, you have to look yourself in the mirror and go, is that worth it? Is it worth letting maybe the best center in the game in Creed Humphrey walk away a couple years down the road? Or Trey Smith, who anchors your right side, walk away in a couple of years? It's questions you have to ask yourself. And I think right now the front office is going, Orlando Brown Jr. may be setting a price for himself, but we're not budging either. And that's what gets you respect, I think, in an organization when you don't fold to just favorites all the time. You can't pay everybody. It's a cold business. And yet to pick and choose mm-hmm. the guys that really matter the most to this organization. Orlando Brown Jr. does matter a lot, but you got your Super Bowl ring. You got a Super Bowl ring out of him. That's what you saw it after when you brought him in from Baltimore. If you let him walk, just make sure you have a very solid plan B in place for left tackle next year.
2: Are you more or less nervous about the $10 bet that we made when I said a starter could emerge and would emerge at 31
3: Certainly now, I mean, if, if
2: in you, light of what's happened now, yep.
3: yeah, I think that the Chiefs. You know, the one thing with Brett Veach though is any time that he makes a big move like this, a bold move like this, it's very few times the Chiefs just said, "Well, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll just kind of gamble on what we got." Like you think about it, when they went out and, and or not went out when they let Charverius Ward walk, well, they got three rookie cornerbacks <laughs> in the draft. They really immediately went and fixed that problem there made sure LeJarius Sneed was the number one. They let tired Matthew walk. They replaced him with Justin Reed. They traded away Tyreek Hill. You draft Sky Moore. You sign Judy Smith-Schuster. You sign MVS. There's always multiple plans in place. So don't be you know <laughs> fearful if the Chiefs let Orlando Brown Jr. walk that they're just going to be sitting on their ass for the next couple of months. No, they likely already have two or three or four options that are written on the board there. We always want to bring up Moneyball when they're tossing names up there. Guarantee you've already, they've already had that that board meeting where you're trying to find the next left tackle, Kansas city, because if it's not Orlando Brown jr. I still think it's going to be a very serviceable guy for the next couple of years in Kansas city.
2: This afternoon marks the, uh, the deadline for the franchise tag. It is a designation teams can apply to a player scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. And it binds the player to the team for that one season franchise tag figures are based on the top five salaries at each position. And the NFL has already told the teams that the salary cap this year will be $224.8 million, up about $16 million from a year ago. Those franchise tagged already, or at least earmarked to be tagged, include Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. That tag is just a little over $10 million. Um, Also, Josh Jacobs was tagged. Uh, or will be the Raiders plan on doing that? Evan Ingram, who had a rebirth at tight end in Jacksonville, his franchise tag salary will be eleven point three four five million. He had seventy three catches a year ago. A uh, Dron Payne, defensive tackle for the Commanders, a uh, defensive tackle franchise tag salary is almost nineteen million dollars. And last year, Orlando Brown Jr. about sixteen point six. Million dollars. That was the franchise tag salary for a guy at his position. All right, going on right now down in Fort Worth, it's the eight-seed Wichita State women taking on the top seed South Florida. They are through one, and so far so good for the Shocker women. It's Wichita State 15, USF 8 at the end of the first quarter. So the eight versus the one, and so far the Shockers out in front by seven. We'll keep our eyes on that. Speaking of round ball, the Kansas State tournaments are upon us at the different locales, Coke Arena, White Auditorium, Tony's Pizza's Event Center in Salina, and the Hutchinson Sports Arena in Hutch. We will talk about all things high school basketball and state tournament with Scott Pask. He's from Keisha Covered, a good friend of the show, will join us. We'll talk heights and the number one seed heights boys, and Derby has both their teams in the state tournament, the number four-seeded boys and the number two-seeded girls from Derby. We'll talk about those guys and gals and much, much more as the state tournaments are upon us. It is 12-22. We'll talk high school sports next with Scott Pask.
0: You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Since
1: 1933, Envision has been a part of the Wichita community, serving people who are blind or visually impaired and their families, from employment opportunities to child development, rehabilitation, research, and crucial programs for all ages. This year, we celebrate our 90th birthday. We invite you to join our year-long celebration of 90 years of Envisioning the Possibilities. Visit EnvisionUs.com to wish us a happy birthday and join us in continuing the mission. 100% of your gift directly impacts Envision's programs and services. Thank you, Wichita. kc fans it's time to celebrate another championship and there's no better way to do it than with a delicious warbeard irish red the official red ale of fans of kansas city football after you take that first sip you'll want to hoist it just like big red did with the trophy and just like the team warbeard irish red is at the top of the heap it's the number one selling locally made craft beer in kansas so as you celebrate your team being the best grab a six-pack of the best beer Warbeard Irish Red, the official beer of fans of Kansas City football.
4: Did you know that carbon monoxide is odorless and invisible? And the only way to detect it is by installing carbon monoxide or CO alarms. First Alert is reminding you to install CO alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Also, remember, alarms don't last forever and need to be replaced at least every 5 to 10 years depending on your alarm. Protect your home and family with safety you can trust by visiting FirstAlert.com and Lowe's stores for your carbon monoxide alarms. It's Championship Week, and ESPN Wichita is headed to Kansas City. The Shane Dennis Show and The Pulse with me, Pat Strumpfman, will be broadcasting live for the Big 12 Championship Tournament throughout the week. We'll have the latest analysis from games, post-game audio with coaches and players, and much, much more from the T-Mobile Center. Our Big 12 Championship coverage is presented by Enhanced Wellness and Derby and the Kansas Contractors Association. Your home for the Big 12 Championship is ESPN Wichita, two point three FM.
2: All right, it's twelve twenty five here on Tuesday. Here before too long, we're gonna be crowning some state champions in boys and girls basketball here in the state of Kansas. And a a guy that's covered his share of state titles is joining us right now on the hotline in Covers, Scott Pask joining us how are you doing sir oh
5: not too bad not too bad a little little health issue here I've been feeling great all year and kind of woke up feeling like uh, uh, Michael Jordan 1997 NBA finals game five so eh. but we're gonna fight through it we're, it's, it's March madness you gotta fight through it right
2: so how many state tournaments for you have you uh, lost track
5: uh, we're in the 20s somewhere, uh, between okay. 25 and 30, I, I, and it probably goes back to the late 80s. Would have been, I graduated from high school in 87 and started doing some correspondent work uh, in college, and and uh, probably 88, 89, somewhere in there would have been the first one I covered. I haven't covered one every year, but uh, um, probably over the last 30-plus years, I'm, I've been in the high 20s, I would say.
2: All right, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but in all your years of covering high school sports, basketball in particular... Uh, who's the best high school boys basketball player you ever laid eyes on?
5: Oh boy! Oh boy! Hmm, that that is a uh, that's a tough one. I will I will say um, I remember out of Liberal Martin Lewis who, who played at Seward Community College and went on to Oklahoma State. Uh, just an amazing athlete. I mean, he was. Uh, a,
4: they ended up finishing
5: third and five in the five, A tournament I covered one year. And, and uh, I think they played Aquinas in the third place game and, and mm-hmm. he had seven dunks in that game. And it, uh, you know, he was, he was an outstanding athlete. I mean, that it, uh, you know, when you're talking other you know, great, there, there have been a lot of great basketball players that I've seen over the years, but, uh, the one that just kind of, and I tend to lean toward deep history because I'm, I'm kind of a history guy myself, but mm-hmm. but uh, I, I will never forget Martin Lewis. I mean, I was, will never forget seeing how athletic that kid was.
2: Talking to Scott Pass, talking to high school basketball. All right, now as it uh, pertains to the boys' 6A tournament at Coke, um, for those of us around here, it's kind of a little bit of a shame, but this is how things work out, that if Wichita Heights wins and Derby wins, they got to play each other. Uh, on friday but we'll start with heights first they are the one seed and they're 20 and two uh if you had to handicap the field in 6a uh has anybody got anything for heights do you think
5: yeah i i think i think there is a team out there on the other side and it's the team that's been kind of their historical um run along the recent history with them blue valley northwest and and Heitz took them down in the finals last year, and I, I still think Heights has a great chance to to defend their title from last year and, and win. Coach Joe Hour his seventh state title. Which there's a lot of coaches, uh, a lot of a lot of the all time best in Kansas high school are going for a big number of state titles this week, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe is one of them. And uh, you know he's got. I, it, it was a big, real big decision back in September when TJ Williams, his junior standout forward, guard forward. Um, he had leaned toward going to sunrise christian over the over the summer started school there and about a weekend decided he missed heights and wanted to go back and and was able to do that uh because the, the you know the season hadn't started yet so uh he moved back to heights and and so um that prepared him with his cousin Marcus Ziegler uh, gave gave heights a one two punch going into the season and um you know they have a lot of the characteristics they had last year a real good defensive team and very active on the glass, love to, to score inside. Not an not a outstanding three-point shooting team, but they can do it. Uh, but I think Blue Valley Northwest is the team. They've got an all-stater in Grant Stubblefield, who was a good football player, and great you a know, great football player, too. He had a great 6A tournament last year. Those two met in the finals, and Heights um, really punched Blue Valley Northwest in the mouth in the first quarter. It was 17-2 after one. I think they got it up to 21-2 to 2 before uh, Blue Valley Northwest answered the bell, but they've got a lot of kids back this year from that from that team, um, and I think maybe that experience of, uh, I don't, you know, you, you've been through it once, and, and, you know, maybe there's two ways to go. It's going to be, oh, it's going to happen again, or or what I think will happen is the Blue Valley Northwest will be in uh, in the fight from the beginning, and, and once they got their legs last year, they gave Heights a real good game. Uh, so that, you know, I don't think it's an automatic matchup in 6A, but if it comes to that Saturday night, I would expect a, a real good tussle between those two.
2: They got to be thrilled down in Derby. Both the boys and the girls made it to the state tournament. The boys, the number four seed, the Derby girls, number two seed, uh, will start with the boys, sixteen and six, and would get a date with Heights if they win. How do you handicap their chances to hook up with Heights?
5: Yeah, Derby's got real two really big feathers in their cap here down the stretch. Uh, you know, they, they handed Hutchinson its only loss here late in the season uh, Hutch was going through the regular season unbeaten and Derby, Derby prevented that from happening. And then, uh, of course Derby goes up to Washburn rural for, for a sub state final. It's going to be talked about for a long time and, and a lot of different perspectives on that one. It was a four overtime game and, and it's, uh, you know, the opportunity, the, the, the door opened for Derby on a, on a technical foul, uh, you know, some rural kids going on the court, some, some reserves going on the court with time still on the clock. And, yep. and, uh, uh, you know that that I'm sure that game's been talked about all over this all over this town and all, and all over Topeka as well. I mean, it's just one of those. But uh, it's it's kind of a shame that, that one of those teams had to lose and, and rural defeated Wichita Heights earlier this year. So there's a team that that really could have made some noise here at, at Coke. It's not going to be there, but but no no discredit to Derby. Uh, that's a that's a good ball team that's uh, that Brett Flory has. They got a good scorer in on Fisher Brown, who's uh, I think he's averaged around 16 or 17. Was up up in the round the 20s earlier this year. And I think they've got a chance to get to that Final Four. Um, you know, I, do I I don't know if they've got the horses to to get all the way through, but but uh, you know they they've already got that Cinderella feather in their cap from from the sub state finals, and, and you take it and you run with it.
2: On the girls' side, we're talking to Scott Pass, talking uh, state championships. He's from Keisha Covered, a good friend of the show. Southeast and Derby in the girls' uh, number two, uh, number two Derby, number six Southeast. Quite a story with Southeast making it to the tournament. They might hook up if they both win uh, their opening round games. Talk about those two clubs.
5: Yeah, Southeast. It's, it's you know you get a lot of these stories, and it's kind of my one of my favorite things of the tournament is when you get the program that hasn't been in a while, and it's been nice since which i southeast southeast state and had a chance to see them as a mid tournament up at mcpherson and it's a it's a solid club they're not real big but they've got just a it's very young club i think this is a team that's that's maybe built to last it's it, this may not be their uh, their last row, so, uh, they've got some some good young talent i they got one senior they had one senior on the roster It's the new season and and a good three point shooter, freshman, and, and uh, it was a good player for them. Not real tall, but uh, uh, it, you know they they handled most of the city league uh, except and, uh, and went out to Liberal and, and uh, won a sub title so You know they made that long road trip to, to, to earn their trip to state, and, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see you know what they're they're able to do with the opportunity. Uh, you get to Derby, and, and of course Derby made it to the six A finals last year. Uh, it was a really disappointing showing. It was just the only way to say it. And it was, I remember walking into the corridor after the game seeing Eddie Brown, uh, their stand.
2: Whoa. Okay. We lost Scott. Uh, it was probably just as well with the connection anyway, but we totally dropped him. So we're going to try to get him back. Uh, Scott Pass from Keisha Covered uh, Derby girls are ranked number two, or the, the uh, they're the number two seed. Um, and Southeast is number six at sixteen and or Derby sixteen and six. There are a lot of teams that are uh, in five A representing us around here. Uh, you got number four Andover, you got number five Mays South. Uh, number two seed is Cape and Mount Carmel. They're twenty one and one. Uh, I'll be interested to hear uh, Scott's opinion on who's got the best opportunity out of boys five A. Scott, do you read me?
5: Yep, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay,
2: yeah, you dropped out. Okay, uh, moving on to boys 5A. Uh, a lot of good representation for those of us around Wichita with Andover, May South, Capen, uh, and to a lesser degree Hutch. Uh, does anybody have something for Topeka Highland Park, who is 22 and 0 of that bunch?
5: Yeah, well, that's the that's the best part about this bracket is that all five of the, the top ranked teams in in the, in the KBCA 5A rankings are, are going to be at state, and Highland Park has been the uh, they've, they've been the notch above. Uh, they're 22 and 0. Uh, they switched leagues this year to the Metal Arc and, and just r- rolled through it. Uh, they've scored 80 points or more in 13 games this year. So that's what you, that's what you've got to deal with with the Scots. I mean, they've they've hit they've hit the century mark a couple times and and uh, have an outstanding guard tandem that, that kind of leads the way for them. But uh, um, I, I really, with Hutch and, and Capen and May South and Andover, those teams Andover Central was in that mix. Uh, until they lost to May South in the sub state final, I was kind of curious to see who all would make it uh, to state. And, and all four of them, all four of the top five, or in that top five. Got there, um, you know. There, there's a interesting possible semifinal if Hutchinson and Cape and get through their first round games. Uh, Brian Miller, Hutch's coach, uh, was Steve X assistant at Hutch Community College. So uh-huh. uh, you you know you've got a chance for some some old uh, coaching uh, partners to to go head to head. Uh, for a spot in the finals if those two can get through through their their quarterfinal game. And uh, then Andover's won 18 in a row. So Andover, uh, you know, takes some really good momentum into state. They would have to deal probably with Highland Park in the semifinals, but uh, they certainly would do it with with momentum. And and Hutchinson, you know, as I said, they've only lost once – their first round game will will be against Pittsburgh, and and uh, you know I know you're from Southeast Kansas, uh, Shane. Yep. And, I don't know if you've heard of Mason English. Pittsburgh's got a kid who can really score. it. He's leading the state in scoring at 29.6, so that's what they've got to deal with. So five A boys is going to be an intriguing bracket. Uh, I think Hyde Park probably gets the nod to to maybe be the favorite, but um, I think I think the rest of that field will certainly make it an interesting week.
2: Talking to Scott Pass, case you covered. Uh boys basketball and uh, boys and girls basketball state tournaments the topic uh, right now in uh, class 3a uh, Wichita Collegiate is the number five seed at 20 and three kind of the only the only representative from around here uh, ish Heston's 22 and one they are the number three yeah. seed I see collegiate faring against Marysville what kind of matchup are we looking at there
5: yeah that'll be a good one Marysville's defense is, has been really good this year they've held a lot of teams down um, you know Way down scoring wise, and and collegiate doesn't like to let that happen. I mean, they, they like the pace to be pushed, and, mm-hmm. and they do it with their their full court pressure. Uh, Mitch Beagle's been doing that for years, and he's got a good he's got some young kids. Uh, again, it's another one of those teams that probably has some staying power because they're really young, uh, but twenty and three with with some freshmen playing some key roles for them. Uh, it, it's a great bracket, though. Galeno be the top seed at twenty three. and know, Southeast Saline is. <laughs> They are, they are just wild athletic. They've had some good football and basketball teams here the last couple of years. And uh, they they can really be... saw Sawyer, Luke Kephardt, are a couple of good ones for Southeast Saline. That is probably who I would lean toward picking. Uh, Southeast Saline has dealt Heston, who's the defending champ. Uh, the, they beat them in the season opener. But Heston is... Mm. is uh, with Jake Proctor has one of the best players in the area. He scored around 36 a couple times, around 40. Uh, so Heston's not going to give that 3A... Uh, Title up easy, but uh, um, again, just another uh, another a lot of depth in three A this year.
2: Moving down to two A, a team that is kind of near and dear to my heart, kind of. Moundridge at twenty and three, and the number three seed at two A. Uh, but the reason why I bring it up is uh, their head coach, uh, his reign is coming to an end. He's gonna he's gonna step down. I know you visited with him uh, recently. Yeah. Tell us about that and the legacy that uh, that Vance has up there
5: yeah and I, I know it always comes up when, when you and i talk it seems like we talk about that 19 <laughs> 1990 game and for you, for listeners out there i i saw shane dennis play some high school basketball in the state finals in the 2 A finals in 1990 and he was an outstanding player he unfortunately had had the misfortune of running into the beginning of a great dynasty at mound ridge they won uh four straight titles from 1990 to 93 and in, including a victory over uh, Shane union town team in the 90 finals and and uh a lot of the players, players from that team, J.C. Holloway, who, of course, went on to Iowa State. and, yep. uh, and his, his older brother, Brian, was a senior on that team. And the, But this year's team, uh, their, their standout point guard is Landon Kaufman, whose dad, Steve, was on that team uh, back in 1990. And and then uh, Logan Churchill, whose, whose uncles are J.C. and Brian Holloway. And, and his mom is Tara, uh, Tara Holloway-Churchill, who just got inducted to the Kansas Sports Hall of Fame. She had a great career hmm. at Emporia State. Uh, so good bloodlines uh they've got like four players with connections to to those 1990 through 93 teams so uh coach unruh hasn't made it to state in 10 years but here he here he's announced his retirement uh, after this season and it it happens it just happens to be he's got a team that is deeply connected to those those early to the glory days of moundridge basketball when they won five, five titles in the 90s so uh, yeah, I talked to Coach underall last night, and and very he's very emotional this week, but but he is really drinking in this last experience. And you know, of course, he says the the storybook ending would be to have these kids uh, uh, be able to win you know his, his sixth title if, if if it would play out that way.
2: Do you know if the record of largest margin of defeat in a two A state championship game is still twenty five? Because that's what Ooh, uh, don't. that's what we're well, known I, for, baby.
5: Uh yeah, I mm, I'm trying to think if there's been any. I I haven't been to two A in many years. I know I do three A collegiate just wiped the socks off somebody in three A one year when I was there, and, and I'm sure that is probably still the the margin that uh, in three A. But I I don't know. I I will. I'll get back to you on that one. I promise.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we got to be known for something, man. Uh, starting yeah, the uh, s- right. starting the dynasty and getting whooped worse than anybody else. You, you, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. Hey, uh, before I let you go, uh, Wichita Independent, uh, nice story at 21 and two. They're the number one overall seed. Speaking of Southeast Kansas, they'll play a uh, Colgan who's 11 and 11. Uh, Independent 21 and two. Did this come out of nowhere? Or did you see this coming?
5: Yeah, no. They've had they've got some good athletes. They had a good football season, and, and uh, you know they they. They've been building. They made a state appearance there uh, last year. Got knocked out by eventual champion Hillsboro in the first round, but but they're back. Uh, you know, like you said, twenty one and two. Uh, Connor Harris is a really good player for them, averaging about seventeen a game. I got Christian Dean, uh, Joe Ricaldi Phillips, who was a good football player for them. Uh, they're. I, I think they can get to that semifinal. They're going to have a, a good test, possibly from Bennington. Bennington's got two of the best the best inside combo. Uh, that you might find in, in any class, really a couple six seven guys the UI Lawson and, and one of the great names in the tournament, Mr. Smith. M-I-S-T-E-R, <laughs> that's his first name. So uh love Mr. Smith but but uh, they've defeated independence one of their wins was Moun Ridge earlier this season. So definitely a worthy number one seed. They did have a hiccup against Garden Plain uh here down the stretch but uh has seemed to regroup after regroup after that and, and uh, you know I would I would say is you know definitely has a chance to, to, to cut the nets on Saturday.
2: Scott, get feeling better, and uh, enjoy your assignment wherever that will take you. Appreciate you talking some uh, high school sports with us.
5: Yep, love to do it. Good talking with you, Shane. Take awesome.
2: care. Awesome, awesome. You bet. Scott Pask from Keisha Covered, at Pask, with an E, K-S-H-S-A-A. Look him up on Twitter. You want to follow the local boys' and girls' basketball scene, especially right now, uh, follow him on Twitter. Good friend of the show, Scott pass talking high school hoops. All right, Uh, speaking of hoops, they are nearing the halftime break in Fort Worth. Your eight-seeded Wichita State Shockers lead the number one seed USF Bulls 32-20. to It's a halftime score, Wichita State by 12. Can the Shocker women continue to ride that wave and knock off the top seed USF Bulls? We will keep you posted. All right, when we come back, we need to take a look at Twitter. We've got a tournament, one of our vaunted Twitter tournaments, and it's uh, with a nod to National Serial Day, and it's pretty simple. This is the first of four rounds, so don't suggest serials uh, on Twitter just yet. Uh, I'll probably, I'm, hopefully, we'll get to your favorite, but uh, I have seeded 16 serials, and we're gonna have four rounds and then uh crown a champion what would that be? Early next week? Say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, Monday, I think, if my math's right. But anyway, uh we'll tell you about that when uh when we come back. Also uh coming up we'll have Jordan Foote at one o'clock. We'll get his thoughts on the Orlando Brown uh Frank Clark saga in Kansas City. Uh we'll also play a little Ask the Host. Coming up at the bottom of our number two, it'll be NBA today uh, is what the uh, subject will be for us to host. And then I'm old Jack Young, like we normally do at the end of the show. But next, go to Twitter, if you haven't already, at ESPN Wichita. Vote, retweet, and we'll discuss round one of the best serials ever. When we come back, it's 1244.
4: You're listening to The Shane
1: Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Here in Manhattan, every man is a wildcat.
4: Into the corner for three. Yes! Yes!
1: Join us for the start of a new era. Our next head basketball coach at Kansas State University, Jerome Tang. Be a part of the Wildcat journey all season long on your home for Kansas State basketball. Thursday, Kansas State faces TCU in the Big 12 Tournament. Hear the tip-off at 8.30 right here on the home of the Wildcats, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM.
0: Call Advantage Gold at eight hundred nine hundred eight thousand. Call 800 yeah.
2: 900 Jordan Foote coming up in 13 minutes. couple of uh, big days coming up here on the calendar that you can go to Twin Peaks and celebrate about. East, 21st and Rock. West, Ridge and Taft. The UEFA Champions Round of 16. Leg 2 is going on right now. So if you're into European soccer, uh, head in there. You can uh, figure out who's going to go the distance. Watch your favorite clubs uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, Leg two, the champion's round, is going on. Coming up, uh, spoiler, coming up on the 9th, what would that be? Wednesday, Thursday. It's National Meatball Day, and you can celebrate at Twin Peaks with a spicy meatball skillet served with toasted garlic bread or the spicy meatball parmesan with a stuffed toasted hoagie roll served with seasoned fries. That sounds pretty good. Uh, That's coming up on Thursday, National Meatball Day. St. Patty Day costume party uh, St. Paddy's Day itself, Selection Sunday at at uh, at Twin Peaks on March the twelfth. You can go to your local lodge, fill out your bracket in person, and you'll automatically receive a free chips and queso bounce back just for showing up. So check that out at your favorite Twin Peaks. You East Siders at Twenty First and Rock. You West Siders at Ridge and Taft. Twin Peaks never settle. The Twitter. It just came to me today because I dis- uh, discovered it was National Cereal Day. So we've got a Twitter tournament with the greatest cereals of all time, at least mine and my top 16. As I do every time we have a tournament, I seed these guys. And um, so far, the top seed, the chalk, is prevailing, but it's... Not a given. Pretty good voter turnout, pretty good distribution for the first four. Uh, Round one of breakfast cereal Twitter tournament, who you got? At ESPN, which is where you can go? Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Grape Nuts, Honeycomb, Apple Jacks. Jack, I have Cinnamon Toast Crunch as the number one overall cereal seed. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, it's not particularly close. Uh, I think... Cinnamon Toast Crunch is one of the few cereals that you can enjoy when you obviously have the little squares and then when it gets in the milk and you can drink the milk afterward. There's very few like it. I would say Fruity Pebbles would be the other one. Yeah. Fruit Loops. Honey Nut Cheerios is pretty good, especially the Frosted Honey Nut Cheerios. But Cinnamon Toast Crunch, when you get like the cinnamon milk, they actually sell those now in a jug. You can get Cinnamon Toast Crunch milk in little cartons. So I've contemplated getting it one time because I think everybody understands how good that is as a cereal.
2: I could eat the whole box easily. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm glad we're in agreement there. So, my number one overall is a Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I, I put grape nuts as the 16 seed. I didn't think very many people would like them or vote for them, I guess. Uh, maybe there's those of a certain age out there. I'll go ageist on you. Uh, that they're getting 30.8% of the vote, grape nuts. My uh, 16 seed that, honestly, if you're not careful, you break your teeth on Grape Nuts. Uh, I don't know exactly what the Grape Nuts are, um, but they're tolerable for me back when I was a kid if I put some sugar on them. Uh, but, man, it was it's like chewing rocks. But, anyway, uh, Grape Nuts getting 30.8% of the vote. Honeycomb was my 8 seed. 13.5%, Apple Jacks, 9.6%. So I had Apple Jacks as a 9 seed, Honeycomb as the 8, Cinnamon Toast Crunch as the 1 seed, and Grape Nuts as the 16. Um, I'm tempted. <laughs> Grape Nuts are rocks, I think, according to uh, Mike on the, on the text line. Yeah. But uh, some people like them. Thirty point eight percent of the voters like them. Um, so tomorrow, and this is this is the only one for me, Jack. That was could really even touch cinnamon toast crunch. My two seed is cookie crisp.
3: Oh yeah, I'd say cookie crisp or Captain Crunch.
2: Captain Crunch is a five seed. We'll see them that's, later.
3: That's yeah. That's pretty fair.
2: Uh, my three seed is Golden Grams. And I think I could eat a box of Golden Grams too. Your thoughts? You like Golden Grams?
3: I think I do like Golden Grams. I think what I would put ahead of it okay. is Fruity Pebbles or Lucky Charms.
2: Fruity Pebbles. Wow. See, that's my eleven seed. I think they're mm. too much like they're too much like Rice Krispies. They're, I could I eat I need, a I,
3: box of those.
2: Okay. And who else did you say? Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. Ten. They're my ten seed.
3: Oh, that, that's an upset waiting to happen. I'll be honest.
2: Well. These are all great cereals, I and mean, you got to rank them somewhere. Um, my 15 seed is Raisin Bran.
3: Ugh, gone. That <laughs> shouldn't be in Somebody's, <laughs> uh, somebody's got to vote for them. You by watch. the way, Grape Nuts look atrocious. If I see any votes for Grape Nuts, I, I need them to, to identify themselves on the text line.
2: Did you have to look up and see what Grape Nuts I did. were? I, had, did no you know, idea. What, I okay. had
3: no idea what those were.
2: Okay. They're, they're not uh, what they sound like. Um. But, yeah, I won't further disparage Grape Nuts because you can vote for whoever and however you like. Um, Another one that was tough to rate as low as I did was Frosted Flakes. Big fan of Frosted Flakes. They're a six seed. And you know what? I killed these, too, regularly as a kid in high school-ish. Frosted Mini Wheats. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, mini wheats are great. Um, the only thing that sucks for mini wheats is that when they get too soggy, they're kind of gross.
2: They're un- you got to eat them fast, and if you yeah. can't
3: drink the milk either. You know what? No. That's kind of underrated is Apple Jacks. Uh, do you have Apple Jacks ranked somewhere?
2: They're ninth. They're they're okay. the, they're only getting nine point six percent of the vote. They're in the they're in the first semifinal right now. Oh, Apple Jacks
3: also underrated, and I'm gonna probably get some hate for this, but it's surprisingly good if you're into healthy cereal options. I like Crackle and Oat
2: Brand considered it um it was honorable mention uh, i'm surprised to hear that from you yeah i don't know i think
3: my mom got him one time i was like this is all we have for cereal well, i guess i'll eat it and i was like okay actually not that bad <laughs> i could go with it,
2: <laughs> it made me <laughs> it made me choke jack johnson Ate some crackling oat bran. Once.
3: <laughs> I was actually grocery <laughs> shopping on Sunday, and I go, "I wonder if they have
2: any crackling oat bran."
3: I am like, did "How they? old am I?"
2: They did not. I, oh, did. I could darn. not get my crackling oat bran. Okay, so coming up in the next few days, um, the two seed cookie crisp, the three is golden grams, four. I am surprised you didn't mention these guys. My four seed is cocoa puffs. Ooh, yeah. Five crunch berries. That's the Captain Crunch representative in this uh, tournament. Six is Frosted Flakes, seven Frosted Mini Wheats, the eight and nine are in uh, in action right now. Apple Jacks and Honeycomb. Ten is Lucky Charms, eleven is Fruity Pebbles, twelve is Honey Nut Cheerios, the thirteen seed is Fruit Loops. Man, Four, fourteen is Rice Krispies. It's it was hard, man. That's a it good. This is a good tournament. Yeah, 15 is Raisin Bran, and 16 is uh, Grape Nuts, somehow getting 31% of vote right now. (laughs) So, there you go. Uh, There's your tournament. And, uh, okay, Texter says, Grape Nuts contains neither grapes nor nuts, but is made of wheat and barley. It was created in 1897 by C.W. Post. Okay who used a coffee grinder to turn a flat sheet of the baked cereal into tiny kernels that resembled grape seeds or nuts. Thank you, Texter. Yeah, uh, man. They they don't look like much, but um, whatever. It's a polarizing cereal, and uh, it's in second place right now. So if you haven't voted, please do so. Go to the Twitter, at ESPN Wichita. Round one of the Sweet 16 of breakfast cereals is so far going to Cinnamon Toast Crunch, my number one seed. We'll ask Jordan Foote about cereal and other things, including Kansas City sports, as we normally do on a Tuesday. Jordan Foote coming up as we're right on top of the Can Equip KCIH Red Zone Hour, Hour 2, next.
0: Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton,